0: You're listening to the Decluttered Mom Podcast, a podcast built specifically for busy moms by a busy mom. I'm your host, Diana Renee, and in 2017, I had my second daughter and it felt like I was literally drowning in my home. Okay, not literally, but I felt like I couldn't breathe with all of the stuff surrounding me. Over the next 10 months, I got rid of approximately 70% of our household belongings, and I have never looked back. I kind of feel like I hacked the mom system, and I'm here to share all the tips, tricks, and encouragement. Let's listen to today's show. Welcome to this episode of the Decluttered Mom Podcast. I am really excited, you guys, because I've been talking for a while about starting to include more experts as guests on the podcast. As you know, a large majority of my episodes are just me, just solo episodes, and they're short and to the point. Um, and I love those and I, you know, get good feedback about those and then really except for one person, we have only had guests on that were members of my program and we talked through their entire like decluttering journeys and everything like that. You guys seem to love those also. And we definitely, we have we have a whole nother round of those coming up soon, but we have been exploring uh, more, adding guests on who are experts in topics that are not decluttering, but they're like directly surrounding everything that I teach. So for today, I'm really excited because this is someone who teaches how to stop doing something that I have always struggled with, that I know a lot of you struggle with, um, and that is overspending. We talk all about The shame of overspending, why we overspend, and the expert that I chose for this topic, her name is Paige Pritchard. And, um, we're gonna put all of her information in the show notes so you can check out her Instagram and she has her own podcast and she has a membership also. So we're gonna include all of those, um, links in the show notes, but Paige is someone who I actually only recently discovered, but everything I was seeing of hers, I was like, yes. This is what, this is what I need to share with the people in my audience and who listen to my podcast because it's super, super helpful. So we cover all sorts of things. We talk about, you know, social media influencers and how to avoid feeling influenced to buy products that we don't really want or need. We talk about the shame of overspending. We talk actual, like real strategies, tips um, that you can Take today and you can start using to start slowing down your overspending. Um, this she page was just so kind. She's so informative. You can tell that she knows her stuff. And so she and I probably could have talked for like six hours on this topic, but I like to try and keep my episodes to 20 minutes or less. I think with these expert ones, we're going to have to lengthen it a little bit, but Um, we are going to do a two part series for this one. So just because it was an hour and that's just too long for my podcast. Um, so we're going to do part one this week and then part two next week. And I hope you enjoy it. Please let me know in your, in my DMs if you. If you like having these guest experts on, um, I'd love to hear it. We have several more scheduled over this next quarter that I'm really excited about. So without further ado, let's play that conversation. All right. So I have Paige Pritchard here, and I actually found her through Carly, who you guys all know as a debt-free mom. I, I found Paige a few weeks ago on her stories, and I was really excited because she is an overspending expert. She teaches women how not to overspend. And that is something that comes up a lot in our community. And honestly, for me also, because I have ADHD and I have found that that is like, we'll get into that, but, but that is something that I have struggled with over time also. So Paige, welcome to the
1: podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yeah. Okay. Can you just share a little bit about who you are, a little bit about you, but then also like how how did you become this overspending expert?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to. So again, my name is Paige Pritchard. I am the founder of Overcoming Overspending, which is an online community and membership where I give you the tools and coaching to stop... Overspending, impulse shopping, compulsive shopping. And I guess like we can just right out of the gate just define overspending, right? Like the way that I define overspending is really any spending that you're doing that's to your own detriment. So I think people hear overspending and they think, oh, overspending, like spending more money than you have or spending more money than you plan to spend, which that's certainly part of it. But the way that I kind of view it in my world is, you know, overspending can be spending more than you have going into debt but it could also be you know using shopping as a coping mechanism using it to kind of like distract and buffer yourself from emotions if your spending or shopping is creating problems for you outside of your finances so like the things that you talk about right like is it cluttering up your environment is it weighing on you mentally and emotionally is it creating tension and strain in your relationships is it sucking up a lot of your time so i always like to define that out of the gate because you know for marketing purposes it's like oh overcoming overspending but really just think of it as like any spending you do kind of like to your own detriment Absolutely. but Yeah. So the re, I guess how I kind of got here today is it really kind of starts with my own story and my own struggles with overspending. I'm 34 today, but when I was in my younger 20s, I was without a doubt a full blown compulsive shopper. I had just graduated from college. I got my first job out of college. I was making $60,000 a year as a 22 year old, like, I went from being a broke college student that had never in her life probably had more than $30 in her checking account, right? Yeah, to right. then being like, oh, here's a $60,000 salary. And on top of that, I moved back at home with my parents because I was in $40,000 of student loan debt, mm-hmm. had no savings. And I was like, well, I'm just going to move at home and I'm really going to use this year to really kind of like build a solid financial foundation for myself. I'm going to make a huge. Dent in these loans, I'm gonna save up some money. Because the truth was, is like I virtually had no expenses because yeah. a lot of the expenses that you know I have to pay and worry about today, a lot of those were just covered by living at home with my parents. I was very lucky and blessed to be able to do that. And yeah. then my job covered a lot of the other traditional expenses that you have as an adult. Like because I was working at a car dealership, they gave me a car to drive. It wasn't my car, but they were like, here, yeah. while you're working here, you can drive this car around. It's free advertising for them but you know they're like here's a car we'll pay for your gas we'll pay for your insurance we'll pay for your cell phone bill so i really went into this year being like this is going to be great fantastic i'm going to make so much progress and to make a long story short i didn't <laughs> i i impulse shopped my way like All of my salary, I impulse shopped away my sixty thousand dollars salary. Yeah, the end of that year came, and it was time to move out. My parents were like, "Okay, like little birdie, it's been a year, like fly go." And I couldn't even afford a security deposit on an apartment to move out of my parents' house. And my parents are looking at me like, "What do you mean you can't afford to move out? Like, what have you been doing for the past year?" And essentially, like, kind of what happened is, I. That first trip, I remember it like so distinctly. It's like that first trip that I made that I went up to like the Ritzy Mall in Dallas to kind of like buy myself a corporate wardrobe. I spent my entire first paycheck on a new wardrobe because in my head, I had this ideal of like what it meant and what it looked like to be a corporate girl. You know, I had like how to lose a guy in 10 days and Devil Wears Prada in my head you know i'm i'm like a 90s girl right so like i grew up yeah. in the 90s and the early 2000s watching movies like that and i remember spending my entire first paycheck on a new wardrobe and thinking like okay this is all i'm going to do this is all i'm going to spend but that first shopping trip it was just like the euphoria that i felt and also i think a lot of it had it had to do with the fact that i was able to go to like nordstroms and Anthropologie, like all of these stores that Previous to that were never a possibility for me ever. It was like, oh, we don't shop there. It's too expensive. And now I was making all this money. And it was kind of like a surge to my ego of like, oh, look, like I can go into Nordstrom's now and anthropology now and I can actually afford to buy stuff here. And that first shopping trip really kind of opened up the spending faucet for me. And what turned into what started as one t- shopping trip basically turned into multiple shopping trips a week. It was not uncommon for me to just leave the dealership on my lunch break and go up to the mall and just like very casually, just like stroll into J. Crew and Banana Republic and just drop $300 here and $500 here. And I was always in my head, I was like, well, I have the money. Like the money's like sitting in my checking account. I guess the good thing is, is that I didn't go into debt that year, but I pretty much did spend everything that I had. And so right. at the end of that year, it was like $60,000 was just in my closet. It was like, I had a killer wardrobe, right? I had great shoes and you know the bags and the accessories and the wardrobe, but I had no money. I had made no progress on my loans. I had saved none of it. And that was kind of like my breaking point where I realized if I don't do something about this now, I'm going to be broke for the rest of my life. And I don't want to paint it like an overnight success because it certainly was not. Because again, that was when I was like 22, 23, and I'm 34 now. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't an overnight thing. This has been a commitment over a long period of time to solving this problem. But I will say that when I first started going out and searching for solutions... The solutions that I would find weren't super helpful to me because they were very surface level. And at that point for me, the issue ran much deeper, right? Like the issue was like an internal issue, an emotional issue, a self concept issue. And the only advice that I could find was like, oh, just unsubscribe from emails and just like delete your credit card autofill. And I was like, but you don't understand. Like, I don't need to be getting the emails. I'm just going to go up to the store and like, I know my credit cards by heart. So, You telling me to delete my credit cards like that—that's not helpful. So it it really was kind of like a blend of I was like, okay, the solution here probably lies in the middle. There absolutely is kind of like a mathematical component of this because there's there's just a mathematical reality with money Mm -hmm. of what you have coming in and what you have going out. But it was also like this huge behavioral. Piece that I felt was missing, and so that's what I've been working on for the past decade. And I think that with, you know, I'll say like in the past five years, I feel like there's kind of been a perfect storm that has really brought this issue to a head. I will say, one is just the rise in technology. So like Amazon, like how how easy is it to just shop now, and how how much have we become accustomed to like seeing something, buying something, and having it at our doorstep. In a matter of hours, days at max. So, the rise in technology, the rise in social media has been huge, like the rise in Instagram, the rise in TikTok. It's just like the level of visibility that we have into people's lives that we didn't even have five years ago. And then I'll say the pandemic too. The pandemic was kind of like I felt the straw that broke the camel's back when we were all. Stuck in our houses, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything. So, what did a lot of us do? Like, we shopped, we went online and we shopped, and that's what we did. So, this has really kind of come to a head. And it's just a huge need that I saw in the personal finance space. And it's just something that no one really talks about. Like, people would come to me in secret, being like, Hey, like, I'm in $10,000 worth of credit card debt, or I have all this debt that my husband doesn't know about, or And it was just like secret, like nobody wanted to talk about it. And so I was just like, listen, I've been there. I get it. I understand. And I'm not afraid or ashamed to share my story anymore. So if I have to be the person that goes and runs through the brick wall to do it, I'm happy to do it to help you guys. Yeah. So that was kind of the birth of it but I love that. Okay. I
0: I feel like we can go so many directions because there were so many things you said that I was like, wait, I'm I'm sorry. I know that was a lot. No, 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 no. It's great. I, so something that you were just talking about with the shame, like, I think that, I think a lot of people do feel shame in overspending, but what I want to go into is like, I think that as moms, I think moms especially because they're they're buying for their kids, right? And so they have like one element of like feeling like they're taking really good care of their kids by buying all of these things for their for their children. And and we deal with this in the decluttering space too, right? Because it's like we want to buy them all the latest and greatest toys and get them into all the activities and things like that because we want to be good moms and we want the best for our kids. So like the intention is good, but then it's like weighing that with all of the feelings of like shame or guilt or dread, even when, when you get that credit card bill, or when you look at your bank statement and there's what I have found from talking to people is then there's even another layer in some, in some families where they're doing all of this and they're not telling their spouse. And so then their spouse, you know, there's like, there's so many layers here. Um, and so when you said shame, I think that you just hit the nail on the head. I think that there is so much of that and there and the shame is there for like so many layers of reasons.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, shame is the most prominent emotion that I deal with, with the women in my community, right? Like I have a process that I kind of walk people through and shame yeah. has its own like step in the process because I'm telling you, like pretty much everyone I come across is dealing with almost just like a debilitating level of shame, right? Yeah. And so it's it's very prominent, but the biggest thing I have to say about shame is... The, the, this is what I tend to see. Is first of all, shame thrives in the darkness, right? I didn't come up with that. Someone else, like much wiser, wiser than me, said that. I it, it could have been like Brene Brown or something like that. But I've heard it said many times. But it's true. It's like shame thrives in the darkness, and so it's not like you have to go out and like shout this to the whole world. But just kind of like getting yourself in the presence of other people who. Can kind of like sympathize with what you're going through and can understand what you're going through and where you also feel safe just to come out and say like this is the situation that I'm that I'm in. Even just like like coming out with it just will bring like a huge weight off your shoulders. But the other thing I see with shame too is that we compound the shame. It's almost like we feel shame about our shame. Right, (laughs) I call it kind of like creating like a negative emotion sandwich. It's kind of like you feel shame and then you feel shameful for feeling so ashamed. Right, And so I always tell the women in my community that I'm like, listen, you have to, I want you to treat your shame almost kind of like a house guest that's like coming over to your house. It's like, you know, the house guest is coming when they get there, you're going to let them in. They're probably going to stay for a while, right? Like they're probably going to stay for a couple of days, but There is an endpoint. Like there is an endpoint that they're going to leave once they've kind of like stayed their welcome. Like all house, all house guests eventually end up leaving. And that's how um, our emotions are, right? Around our spending. It's like these emotions are always going to leave and always going to dissipate if you allow them to be there, if you don't fight against them, if you don't resist them. And also if you don't judge them for being there. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like if you don't feel shame about the shame or if you don't feel judgment about the shame. And I want to offer this too. Like, this is just kind of a little, like, lighter trick that I always give. With money, I feel like shame can be so intense because with money, we view money as a very, like, finite resource that's very, like, black and white. And because of that, there's so many rules that we associate to money. And it's always kind of like, am I following the rules or am I not following the rules? Right. This is kind of like the, I guess like the square that we always try to like fit ourselves in. is like, am I being good or am I being bad? Am I following the rules or am I not following the rules? But I always like to view the past choices that I've made with money, because trust me, there are many choices that I've made with money in the past. That if I like truly, like I know people say like, oh, no regrets. Like I have regrets. Like if somebody's like, would you go back and do things differently? I'm like, for sure. There's a lot of things that I would go back differently if I had the opportunity to do that. Of course, we know that we can't. And so it's not helpful to like ruminate in that. But what I always do is like, I always think about the past version of myself who made those choices and just having a lot of like compassion for her, because I know at the end of the day that it was never like exactly what exactly how you put it, you put it beautifully. Like it wasn't done maliciously. Right. 99% of the time it was coming from a good place. You were trying to do the best thing for yourself. You were trying to do the best thing for your kids or for your family. And so knowing that it's like, can we have compassion for that past version of ourselves? I always think of it as like, when you look at a photograph of yourself, like 10 or 15 years ago, the first thing you always notice is like what you're wearing and you're always kind of like oh my gosh look at that outfit i was wearing like isn't that so funny that we used to like think that like looked good or whatever and it's like i that's how i want you to think about your past choices with money it's like think about it like the old outfits that you used to wear yeah. because when you think about it that way you don't look at a photo of yourself from 15 years ago and go oh my gosh you were so stupid how could you do that like that was so dumb of you to wear that stupid outfit like you should have known, but it's like, no, right. like you can almost kind of like laugh with yourself about it. Cause you're like, although it's not a choice that I would remake today, I can remember at the time how I thought that that was a really good choice. And yeah. because of that, I can have a lot of compassion for, for my past self who made that decision.
0: Yeah. I really, really like that. And this isn't totally the same, but kind of in the same vein, I guess. Um, for a long time, I had my phone background as a picture of me when I was like seven years old and just Mm. the words be kind. So it was like a reminder of like every time I looked at my phone and I did that because I was like, I'm going to look at my phone more than I'm going to look in the mirror in my bathroom. Um, and so it was just a reminder that like, that, that like little girl is still in there and like, that's who we are. Right. And so like, would I say the things that I'm like, the mean things I'm saying to myself, would I say that to seven-year-old me a hundred percent, not, you know, mm-hmm. I would be encouraging just like I am to my own girls. And so, um, kind of in that, it's just kind of in, along the same lines as yeah. like showing that compassion and and grace and kindness. And I also really loved what you said about surrounding yourself with people who are in the same, the same type of time or or struggle, because that's something I see constantly in my program is because people share before and afters all the time. Right. So Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you how many times I get DMS or emails from people in my program. And they're like, just knowing that I'm not the only one who struggles with this or I'm not the only one whose home looks like this um, was worth like joining the
1: program just yeah. alone because it like lifted this feeling of like so much guilt and shame. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's like the same thing in mine, right? Like right now, every single month, we kind of focus on a different topic. And it's this month, we're focusing on debt. And like one of the exercises that I had everyone go through is just like share how much debt you have, which of course, everyone was like... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wanted to be the first one. You know, It I mean? right. was like, kind of like waiting for like, you know, everyone else to say anything, but you know, I, I told him, I'm like, look, it's just going to take a few brave sh- soldiers to kind of like yeah. be the first ones. But as soon as a couple people started coming out, it was like, I'm in $30,000 worth of credit card debt. Like there's many women in my community who have had their houses foreclosed on, who have gone through bankruptcy. Right. And to yeah. your point, they're just like, it 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 almost just feels like okay i feel like i can take a deep breath just knowing like i'm not alone and i'm not the only one cuz like i said that shame is going to just thrive when you feel isolated it's going to thrive in the darkness it's going to thrive when you feel like you're the only one and you're not right like you're 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 not the only one with kind of like a messy cluttered environment you're not the only one in debt there's many of us out here it's like you just got to find your people right exactly <laughs> yeah.
0: I hope you enjoyed the first part of the conversation here with Paige. Next week we're going to jump into all of the questions that you guys okay, not all of the questions you guys submitted because you submitted so many. I don't even know how many. I I don't I didn't count, but it was a lot of questions. So, um I asked some of the most common questions that I was getting over and over and also just ones that I was like, ooh, that's a good one. Um, And also just questions I had. So we are going to go over all of those. It's kind of, I threw a lot at her in the second half of the podcast, which will air next week. I hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll see you back here next week on the Decluttered Mom podcast. Thanks for hanging out and listening to the Decluttered Mom podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world if you could write a review or share this episode with a friend or your Instagram stories. And if you're on Instagram, be sure to follow me at the.decluttered.mom and send me a DM to say hi. I'd love to hear what you thought about today's episode. I hope you'll come back next week and hang out with us again.